Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode contains distressing themes profanity and descriptions of violence. This podcast is intended for a mature audience. Listener caution is advised. They Walk Among Us is part of the Acast Creator Network. It was a cold and frosty morning in Milton Keynes, Buckinghamshire, on Friday, February 15th, 2019. Children across the country woke up excited because it was the last day of school before half-term. For 19-year-old Leah Croucher, it was a day like any other. She got out of bed, got dressed and set off for work. Leah usually made the short journey on foot, but as 9am came and went... She never arrived. Her disappearance would spark a nationwide manhunt as her missing person posters were distributed far and wide. The exhaustive investigation would see officers from the Thames Valley Police Force trawling through thousands of hours of CCTV footage and knocking on the doors of more than 4,000 homes. There's a certain person out there that is keeping evidence from the police and it's time for him to give it up now. It's a residential area, there's lots of pedestrians, um, local schools and nursery, um, there's lots of uh, sort of vehicle um, traffic. Um, somebody must have seen Leah. They've destroyed our entire family. Um, I don't think they ever will come forward with their information. People won't ever understand until they go through it, and I hope that nobody ever does have to live through this. So. It's a horrible situation. We need to have some hope. Without hope, you don't really have anything. Welcome to Season 7, Episode 48 of They Walk Among Us, a podcast dedicated to UK true crime. Leah Croucher was born to proud parents Claire and John on August 14, 1999. As her personality developed, family members noted that Leah was a creature of habit, someone who enjoyed her home comforts. She was also family-orientated. 
Her mother Claire recalled that Leo was kind and generous and would always help people in any way she could. Loved ones highlighted Leah's positive attributes, using words such as bright, intelligent and confident when describing her. In her free time, Leah liked to read and write fantasy fiction. She posted her writings on the internet, where she received praise for her creative skills and ability to weave together evocative stories. Leah was exceptionally close to both of her parents who she lived with. She bonded with her father John over their shared love of taekwondo. They had taken lessons together, which progressed to running a family club. She had become somewhat of an expert in martial arts and had gone so far as competing at a national and international level. Leah was a second Dan black belt and had enjoyed coaching the next generation of champions. She had a close circle of friends and weekends were mostly spent reading or watching films. Among her favourite books were the Harry Potter and Twilight series. She preferred entertaining herself at home rather than being in a crowded local pub or nightclub. Leah's mother Claire described her daughter as very naive and shy, quiet and trusting of people. Leah was also close with her older half-brother and sister Hayden and Jade. Jade said that her younger sister was, quote, intelligent and sensible, kind and caring. She is essentially everything that you would want in a little sister. In 2019, Leah was looking forward to a family vacation coming up at the beginning of March. After focusing on media studies at Milton Keynes College, Leah had recently started working in an administration role for a financial firm. It was Valentine's Day 2019 when Leah Croucher arrived home at Quantock Crescent on the Emerson Valley Estate in Milton Keynes. She spent around 10 minutes getting changed, putting on a pair of grey jogging bottoms and a t-shirt. She told her parents she was going to a friend's and returned home fairly early at approximately 7.15pm. That night, Claire was making John's favourite meal to celebrate Valentine's Day. It was not something that Leah particularly liked, so she ordered herself a takeaway. The family sat down in front of the television and watched a movie before they all retired to bed at around 10pm. The following morning, Leah woke up early and left the family home to walk to work. She was employed by a direct debit collection agency in Knoll Hill and made the two-mile journey each morning and evening. Typically, Leah would walk along Buzzacott Lane and then onto Faraday Drive, using the redways to travel north onto Kelvin Drive in Knoll Hill. Milton Keynes has extensive redway routes used by walkers and cyclists. The roadways often follow roads, usually flanked by a row of bushes on one side. When meeting a road at an intersection, it is sometimes necessary to travel through an underpass. The pedestrian tunnels are usually dimly lit, covered in graffiti and filled with the sound of vehicles travelling on the road overhead. Sometimes Leah did not take the same route, occasionally mentioning to her mother that she did not feel safe. By 9am on January 15th, Leah Croucher had still not arrived at work as she usually would. At first, co-workers likely assumed that she was just running late. However, by the time the working day ended at 5pm, Leah had neither turned up 
nor contacted her employer to explain why she was absent. She was expected back home in time for dinner, but again she was nowhere to be seen and had not provided an explanation. Claire and John called her mobile phone, however it went straight to voicemail. That evening, the concerned parents reported their daughter missing. Missing person posters describe Leah Croucher as white with a slim build and shoulder-length brown hair. Occasionally, she wore glasses. When she left home to go to work that morning, she was wearing a black coat, a grey hoodie, skinny black jeans and black Converse high-top shoes. She was also carrying a small black rucksack. The grey hoodie Leah was wearing was highly distinctive, as only a small number had been made. The logo for Stuart B. Taekwondo was stitched on the left breast, and the lettering for Stuart B. Taekwondo was stitched on the back. Operation Dawlish was launched, and around 50 officers were drafted in to assist in the search for Leah Croucher. In an effort to trace her last known movements, the police began scouring through local CCTV footage. They obtained images of Leah walking along Buzzacott Lane in Thursday, Milton Keynes, just after 8.15am on Friday, February 15th. From there, Leah seemingly vanished. CCTV cameras along Faraday Drive never picked her up, indicating she had disappeared somewhere around Buzzacott Lane. The use of her mobile phone data provided more helpful information. It was confirmed that less than 15 minutes after the last sighting of Leah on CCTV, her phone was switched off. Chief Inspector Neil Kentish announced, We are continuing to appeal for anyone with information on Leah's whereabouts to contact police urgently, as we are extremely concerned for her welfare. The officer explained that they were particularly interested in hearing from anybody travelling on or near Buzzacott Lane during Friday morning who may have seen Leah. Chief Inspector Kentish also asked people in the area to check any of their own CCTV footage or dashcam footage to see if they could spot Leah. The announcement led to two phone calls from potential witnesses who believed that they saw somebody who looked like Leah in the area of Teardrop Lakes at around 8.45am on the morning she vanished. Teardrop lakes are several bodies of water that are adjoined and often used for fishing. This location is just over two miles from the estate where Leah lived, approximately a 40-minute walk. The police began a search based on the sightings, but they could find no physical evidence that Leah was ever there. Investigators turned their attention to the water, and a specialist search team from the company Specialist Group International waded their way through the lake. They set up a small inflatable boat and searched the depths with a high-tech sonar system, but they found nothing of interest. As the days continued trickling by, the police explored another avenue while trying to locate the missing teenager. They began performing door-to-door inquiries, and by the end of the week they had knocked on more than 4,000 doors in Milton Keynes, but there was no trace of Leah. In addition to the more than 50 officers working on the case, the constabulary utilised the help of sniffer dogs that scoured the area. The steady hum of helicopters could be heard by residents, as investigators used a different vantage point as they searched from above. 
The missing person case was of high importance according to the Thames Valley Police. Leah's family were adamant that she would not have run away and that her disappearance was completely out of character. Even more cause for concern was the fact that Leah had not used her mobile phone since that Friday morning. Since she was last seen, there's been no use of her mobile phone. She hasn't accessed her bank and she hasn't used social media. This is really unusual for Leah. We'd encourage anybody who has seen Leah, who has spoken to Leah, uh, who knows people who have spoken or seen her, or anybody who's got any information whatsoever, then to come forward, no matter how small they think that might, bit of information might actually be. Leah's mother, Claire Croucher, explained that the family were beside themselves with worry. A press conference was held at Milton Keynes Police Station, during which time Claire told the public that her daughter predominantly used social media or text messages to communicate. Claire said, It is unbelievable to her family and friends that she would choose not to contact any of us for the past seven days in any of the formats that are available to the youth of today. She would not wish to cause worry or the fuss that has arisen due to her highly unusual disappearance. Claire also appealed to her daughter, urging Leah to get in contact if she could. If you are able to see or hear this, please, please, please come home. You're not in any trouble because we love you so much. We want our beautiful wonderful little girl to come home if there's something bothering you we can help you to fix it you're not alone you will never be alone as long as me and dad are here after the press conference chief inspector neil kentish once more appealed to the public for information he said that it was still a missing person inquiry and that everybody was keeping an open mind as to the possibilities of what had happened to Leah. The officer went on to say, We have done some extensive searches in the Thursden area. We have searched the lake. We are using divers. We are using every resource available to Thames Valley Police. She is in no trouble with anybody. You can see how much this hurts her family, and we are immensely worried about her. As the search entered its second week, the police made a plea to football fans for their assistance. When the MK Dons football team were playing against Newport County on February 23rd, Leah's picture was displayed on big screens ahead of the match. Supporters were also handed flyers with Leah's face emblazoned on the front, along with details of her disappearance. The weeks continued with no word or solid information indicating Leah Crouch's whereabouts. It was achingly slow for Leah's family, who were bereft beyond consolation. On March 20th, a £5,000 reward was announced for information that could lead to a break in the case. It had come from a generous anonymous donor. In an emotional appeal issued by the Thames Valley Police, Claire and John Croucher hoped the reward would help find their daughter. John described how he felt they were living their worst nightmare, while Claire added, It doesn't matter what we do. We don't feel any better. They explained that they went to bed tossing and turning each night, plagued by the uncertainty of where their daughter was. In the mornings, they woke up crying as a wave of fear dominated their every thought. Claire and John said they hoped that if somebody knew something about Leah's disappearance, the money would entice them to come forward. Claire stated, Maybe they're scared they'll upset Leah or upset her friends if they know where she is. But they need to pick up the phone 
and they need to call and tell us how to find her, because we've tried everything, and we're running out of options. That weekend, the police employed a new tactic in their search for Leah. They erected large appeal banners throughout Milton Keynes. The banners could even be seen on a number of bridges facing high-traffic stretches of road. The following month, a local businessman hoped to increase the reward, offering to add another £10,000 to the reward fund. He said he believed the existing £5,000 reward was insufficient for someone to speak up. He stated, I'm prepared to up the reward to £15,000 immediately. That is more of an incentive for somebody to talk. However, the businessman would reveal that it did not seem the Thames Valley Police wanted to accept his offer, putting him on hold whenever he called. He said, It's frustrating. If I knew where Leah's family lived, I'd approach them myself. All I'm trying to do is help. The constabulary eventually made contact after the Good Samaritan went public with his attempts to increase the reward fund, but turned down his kind gesture. Tips continued to come in, and in the middle of April, the police revealed that three new witnesses had come forward. They had seen a woman who matched Leah's description at some point between 9.30am and 11.15am on the day she disappeared. These three witnesses were walking by Thursden Lake, near where Leah was last captured on CCTV. Two of them were together, and they described the young woman as visibly angry, upset and crying. These witnesses saw the young woman again around 20 minutes later. They described how she appeared calmer and may have been speaking to somebody on her mobile phone. A third witness saw somebody who looked like Leah walking around the lake while texting on her phone. Chief Inspector Kentish announced, We are very eager to establish the identity of the person who was described to us by the three witnesses. Even if this person was not Leah, we would still like to speak to them so that we can eliminate the sightings from our inquiries. If you believe that you are this person, or you know who it was, please contact us as it will greatly assist with our investigation. Thurston Lake was scoured by the police, but they found nothing that could assist them in their search for Leah. Investigators persevered, and by May, it had been three months since Leah Croucher seemingly vanished off the face of the earth. To mark International Missing Children's Day, her parents, Claire and John, spoke with the media once more. They described their anguish and how they were not surviving, just existing. They once more appealed to Leah directly, stating, Whatever it is that has caused you to run away, please let us help or fix it. If it is us, then tell us what we have done. And if it is someone else, tell us, and we will help you. Later that month, Leah's half-brother Hayden was accused of threatening a man who he accused of grooming Leah. This individual, who can only be legally identified as Mr. X, became involved with Leah before her disappearance. Hayden was convinced that Mr. X was somehow responsible. Hayden posted a picture on social media along with the caption, "Was supposed to have caught today as I'm attacking Leah's ex-boyfriend, 27-year-old married and Muslim, who in our opinion groomed and mistreated her. 
He had MK Finest in his name. He fucked with the wrong people. Aidan was ordered before the court, where Judge Francis Sheridan said there was no basis for the suspicions about Mr. X. The judge told Hayden, The family have the court's sympathy, but I beg you, please let the police do their job. Sandra Beck, acting on behalf of the Crown, said it was not in the public interest to continue the prosecution if Hayden Croucher accepted a voluntary restraining order. Hayden agreed, and the judge replied, You and your family are entitled and deserving of utter sympathy from everybody, because Leah has gone missing. Judge Sheridan explained he could not go into detail regarding the police investigation into Leah's disappearance, but confirmed it was being overseen at the highest levels of the constabulary. The judge went on to say that Mr. X had been thoroughly investigated and there was nothing to indicate he was involved. The restraining order prevented Hayden from being within 25 metres of Mr. X, contacting him in any way or visiting the Knowles Hill area of Milton Keynes. It would be revealed that Leah and Mr. X had been romantically involved since the previous summer. Mr. X was engaged to someone else at the time, but Leah would sneak out to see him in the evenings, paying £13 for a taxi each way. Claire recalled how she and John were under the impression that the relationship had ended. However, they accepted that Leah could very well have been lying to them, and the pair were still romantically involved at the time of their daughter's disappearance. Mr. X had a concrete alibi for the time frame she vanished, and was categorically ruled out as a suspect early on in the investigation. Since there was still no trace of Leah Croucher, Investigators decided to delve deeper into her life at the time of her disappearance. They decided to re-interview her friends, one of whom Leah had told her parents she was going to visit the night before she disappeared. Curiously, the friend said she had no arrangements to see Leah that night and explained that she was not at home. This meant that on February 14th, there was a 75-minute period between 6pm and 7.15pm that Leah was unaccounted for. The police also established that there were several stressful factors in Leah's life around the time she vanished. It was not one thing in particular, but friends said that Leah was upset about a relationship that had not developed in a way that she had hoped it would. Presumably, this was the relationship with Mr. X. They also discovered that the day before she vanished, Leah had changed or disabled her smartphone's location tracking services. After the new revelations were made public, Claire and John pleaded for more information. They asked people to think back to the evening of Valentine's Day and try to remember if they saw Leah, and if so, whether she was with somebody. John said, It was a devastating blow when we realised she hadn't been where she said. It's almost impossible to believe she would have fibbed. She had no reason to as far as we know. Please help us find out what happened that night. It may be the nugget the police need to find out what happened to her. The following month, Leah's sister Jade also pleaded for someone to speak up. She told the press association that the family could not comprehend how somebody could go missing without a trace. Jade thanked the public for their support, which she said had been overwhelming. She stated... 
it is very clear to see that there's a lot of love for Leah around, not only in Milton Keynes but spilling out further than that as well. You've just got to remain hopeful that Leah will be home soon and that she's safe. And that's what will keep us going. By October, Leah's family had all but given up hope that she would be found alive. The past seven months had been undoubtedly challenging, and they had come to accept that Leah was most likely dead. Her mother announced to the media that they just wanted Leah's body back so they could have a proper burial. That same month, another underwater search team began scouring the 18-metre deep blue lagoon lake near the family home. A search had come after a member of the public spotted a grey hoodie floating in the water that looked similar to the one Leah was wearing when she left for work on February 15th. Despite an exhaustive examination of the waters, the grey hoodie was never located. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. I'm here to tell you about Bowl & Branch Sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl & Branch Sheets get softer with every wash. They're made from the rarest organic cotton and designed to get softer over time. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order with code BUTTERY. So head to bollandbranch.com today. Exclusions apply. See site for details. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. A month passed, and the Croucher family was struck hard by another tragedy when Leah's half-brother Hayden took his own life on November 14th. Aidan struggled when Leah disappeared. He was consumed with the pain as the uncertainty of what had happened to his sister plagued his every waking thought. The search had taken a heavy toll, and he had been receiving mental health treatment. 
Hayden had told the therapist Chantelle Tillerson that he was obsessed with suicide. Tillerson recalled, He felt hopeless and said he would be better off dead. He explained Leah was still missing and found it difficult to cope with no family support. He was fixated on hanging himself. He said if he had the means to hang himself, he would. Despite Hayden's comments, he was not admitted to a mental health facility as he said he did not want to go to a psychiatric unit out of the area. None were available locally. It was decided that Hayden would be seen by a home treatment team instead. Dr. Gibran Saeed visited him on October 18th. The doctor recalled, Hayden had been quite a confident person and outgoing. He mentioned boxing and taekwondo. It was reflected by the medals in his home. Now he had no confidence, no motivation for the future, and had had thoughts of suicide in the past. After a second meeting on November 8th, Dr. Saeed felt as though Hayden was more positive and was engaging with his family. The doctor said, He was getting on with certain chores and was trying to find a job. He was active in ideas about what he wanted to do. His suicide risk was lower. Just four days later, Hayden was discharged from the home treatment team after his self-harm risk was assessed as low. He was returned to the care of his GP, but just two days later he hung himself. The night beforehand, Hayden reached out to his parents to tell them that he was overcome with sadness over Leah's disappearance. They reassured him that everybody in the family was feeling the same wave of grief and that they would meet up the next morning. Just hours later, Claire and John received a knock on the front door. It was the police who informed them that Hayden was now fighting for his life. They rushed to Milton Keynes University Hospital and held Hayden in their arms but sadly he deteriorated rapidly. On November 16th, it was decided that his life support machine would be turned off. His family stroked his hand as Hayden took his final breath. That night, John Croucher posted an update on Facebook that read in part, We love and miss you both terribly. Our world could not be more broken than it is now. Hayden's mother, Tracy Furness, also authored a post on social media which read, My son felt so alone, so lost, so broken that he felt he had no other choice other than to take his own life. Hayden was so consumed with pain and anguish, and despite the love around him, it wasn't enough. His mother's love and that of his entire family was not enough. Aidan's loved ones had hoped that if Leah were hiding out somewhere, she would turn up at her brother's funeral as she loved him dearly. Leah was nowhere to be seen. Christmas came and went in a blur. After all they had been through, the Croucher family opted out of holding the annual celebration at their home. On New Year's Eve, John posted another poignant message on his Facebook account. It read in part, We started 2019 with three beautiful children and a world of hope at our feet. In February, our youngest Leah disappeared from the face of the earth. Our world fell apart. We tried to stay strong, stay hopeful. It was impossible. John described how time was not making the family's pain any easier. He wrote, Christmas has gone. 
It was bleak, desolate, lonely, quiet. No decorations, no presents, no special dinner. John ended his post with a plea to the public to help them find out what happened to their daughter. The first anniversary of Leah Crouch's disappearance rolled around on February 15th, 2020. To mark the solemn event, Claire and John once more begged for information. There are times I feel very angry and I want to break things. There are times I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to face the world. I just want to know where she went and what happened to her because I don't believe she chose this. I don't believe she ran away. John said that whoever was responsible for Leah's disappearance had torn apart the family adding that he held them accountable for Hayden's death as well. I've lost my daughter, I can't find her, and I've lost my son, who's committed suicide. That has completely and utterly destroyed me and my entire family. So somebody must have seen her. There was a, maybe your loved one's acting strange around that time. Think about it. All right. Although you think you're protecting them, you're destroying my family. I've lost Leah. I've lost my stepson, Hayden. And it's about time that you gave us all some peace. The Thames Valley Police also announced that they had doubled the reward fund for information to £10,000. Detective Chief Inspector Randy Howard said he could not preclude the theory that Leah had been physically taken by somebody or she had been influenced into going missing. Officers dealing with this inquiry have very rarely encountered one like this before, where someone has seemingly vanished without a trace. This is an extremely unusual inquiry. However, we remain committed to finding Leah and bringing her home to her family. It is clear that Leah's disappearance has devastated her family and friends. They have been desperately looking for answers since, and our thoughts are with them as we mark this anniversary. Our ongoing investigation has been extensive. We have received more than 550 reports of information and potential sightings from members of the public across the UK. We have reviewed more than 1,200 hours of CCTV, visited more than 4,000 properties, carried out 1,200 investigative tasks and completed extensive land and water searches across Milton Keynes and surrounding areas. Our appeals on social media have reached over 10.3 million people. Please, if anyone has information relating to Leah's disappearance, no matter how small or insignificant you think it might be, please contact Thames Valley Police. Somebody must have seen Leah after she was in Buzzacott Lane. It is a heavily residential area, and the roads and pathways between Buzzacott Lane and Leah's workplace in Knoll Hill are heavily used by motorists, buses, pedestrians and cyclists, particularly at that time on a Friday morning. Any piece of information you could have could be vital in helping us piece together the events on the 14th and 15th of February last year, in those vital hours before and after Leah went missing. The investigation into Leah's disappearance remains open and the police are only a phone call away. We are here to take any amount of information at any given time. A £10,000 reward offered by two local donors within the community is available for information that leads us to establish Leah's whereabouts. It is never too late to make a report if you think you know something that could help us. We will investigate all reports that could help us to unlock this mystery. In the wake of the appeal, a handful of tips came in from people across the country who believe they may have seen Leah. All of these tips were followed up extensively. However, none of the people spotted turned out to be her. Months passed slowly, and on the 17-month anniversary, John and Claire Croucher grew ever more frustrated, criticising the Thames Valley Police. They accused them of not doing enough to investigate Leah's love life. John said, Mr X is the only anomaly that was in Leah's life, the only thing she lied about. We feel information he may have is our only chance of finding her. 
An inquest into Hayden Crouch's death was held in November 2020. The coroner Tom Osborne criticised how Central and North West London NHS Trust had handled the case. The coroner recorded a verdict of suicide and said that not enough consideration was given when admitting Hayden as a mental health patient and that there was no clear plan for his future. Quote, I'm not satisfied an inpatient bed was discussed. It was a fundamental decision with regard to his future. It needed to be recorded. It is the case of the old adage, if it is not recorded, it did not happen. I do not believe it was considered. There needed to be a clear plan in his case. There was no clear plan. We had a young man in crisis. His parents needed to know the plan going forward. The discharge was not adequately risk assessed. The family was unaware. During the inquest, Hayden's mother described her son as having a heart of gold, even though he suffered from mental health issues and felt emotions at their most extreme. Tracy Furness said, He needed help. He was begging for help. Hayden felt uncared for. My only hope is that lessons have been learned. On the second anniversary of Leah Crouch's disappearance, February 15th, 2021, the Thames Valley Police launched a fresh appeal for information. Detective Chief Inspector Howard said that he wanted to reach out to the people of Milton Keynes directly, particularly those who lived, commuted or exercised in the areas that Leah used on a regular basis. He reminded people of the last sighting of Leah on CCTV along Buzzacott Lane and explained where she would have typically walked from this road to get to work. The officer stated... Given how busy the area is, I find it hard to believe that this CCTV clip of Leah at 8.16am is the last time that we know she was seen. In an effort to refresh people's memories, the police released drone footage showing the route Leah would have walked to work that morning, along with photographs of the clothing that Leah was wearing and items she was carrying on the day she disappeared. The pictures were shared on the internet, with the hope that any potential witnesses would get in touch if they had seen any of the items. The police were particularly interested in the 14 minutes from when Leah was spotted on CCTV to when her mobile phone was switched off. They were working on the theory that within that time frame, Leah was alone and was either abducted by a stranger or met somebody she knew. Detective Chief Inspector Howard voiced his opinion. He said, I think the most likely theory is that Leah has gone of her own accord on her own. I believe it is because of a decision she made herself. As investigators continued to follow up on whatever leads came in, they released photographs depicting what Leah could possibly look like now. They asked the public to share the age-enhanced images far and wide. In March, the reward fund for information was doubled once more by local businesses. Several months would pass before there was an ominous development in the case. A woman came forward to report that she may have witnessed Leah being abducted. According to the witness, she saw an individual matching Leah's description being aggressively pushed down in the seat of a car in Milton Keynes around the time Leah disappeared two years earlier. The sighting was reported to the police at the time, and then twice more but the witness claimed the cool handler she spoke to was uninterested. 
She said that no follow-up call was made after her report. Thames Valley Police eventually responded when the woman went public with her story. They insisted they took appropriate action over the statements but refused to disclose any further information. Shortly thereafter, another potential piece of evidence was discovered in the form of a photograph taken on a mobile phone. It was an innocent image of children feeding ducks at Thursden Lake at 10.51am on February 15th, 2019. This was two and a half hours after Leah was last spotted on CCTV. In the background of the photograph is a small figure dressed in black. The individual appeared to be carrying a rucksack. There was much speculation that the person in the background was Leah, which would be the first sighting of her since she was seen on CCTV. If it was her, it would also mean she had made a conscious decision not to show up for work that morning. Another Christmas came and went with no new leads regarding Leah's whereabouts. Claire and John announced that their hope of finding her alive had all but been extinguished. They said to a reporter for the Citizen newspaper, A person or people who know what happened will never speak up, never come forward, never help, no matter how many people ask them to on social media platforms. Christmas without your children around you is a bleak prospect. A meaningless time. This is the third year now. The pain and worry is still overwhelming. The loss is still raw. The hope has faded. On the third anniversary, the Thames Valley Police released new images from a CCTV camera depicting a black figure. It was from Thurston Lake, near where Leah was last seen. So we're taking the opportunity of the third anniversary of Leah Go Missing to um, release some new images that have recently come into the police's um, possession. They're images taken by um, a member of the public who was in the area of Thurston Lake um, around 10.50. Um, in fact, the photographs are timed at 10.51 um, on Friday the 15th of February 2019, the date that Leah went missing. In those images, in the distance, there is a, a figure um, in dark clothing, possibly black clothing. Um, the image isn't of great quality, um, and it's impossible to say at this time whether or not it is Leah. However, um, in previous appeals, we've asked for information around uh, a female um, matching Leah's description that is seen by three witnesses in that area of Thurston Lake at around that time. These images do appear to support these witnesses' descriptions of a female matching that description, wearing that type of clothing in that area of Thurston Lake at that time. And we're seeking to appeal now for information, firstly for that person to look at those images and come forward. Uh, despite our previous appeals, we've never been able to identify that person so far. But also within the images, there are some other members of the public walking around the lake, dog walkers, etc. Um, we'd ask you to look at those images. And if we haven't spoken to you already, we'd also ask you to come forward because clearly there may be information, things that you saw or heard whilst you're out on your walk that morning that may help. The images the police presented showed a group of three people walking together, along with a single dog walker to the right of the person in black. Officers were keen to stress that these people were not suspects in Leah's disappearance, but they wanted to track them down and interview them to try and establish whether the dark figure was Leah. Sadly, the appeal was fruitless and it seemed there was no progress in an investigation plagued by false leads and dead ends. On October 12, 2022, finally there was a massive breakthrough in the case, 
but this significant development meant that Claire and John Crouch's greatest fears would be realised. Two days before the announcement, the police received a tip-off from a member of the public. They were directed to a four-bedroom detached home on Locks Bear Drive, less than a mile from where Leah was last seen. The tipster had worked as a contractor and had been at the home when they came across a rucksack and other personal items concealed in a loft space. They belonged to Leah Croucher. Officers were dispatched to the property and went up into the loft. It was there that they discovered human remains. A murder investigation was immediately launched and the Thames Valley Police received a slew of criticism due to how close the home was to where Leah had vanished. In the immediate aftermath of her disappearance, officers had been door-to-door visiting properties in the vicinity, but the police admitted that they had never gone inside this particular home and had put a leaflet through the letterbox when nobody answered the door. Crime scene tape enveloped the property and a white and blue tent was erected. As soon as Claire and John were informed of the discovery, they set off to see the scene for themselves. Claire crumpled to the ground in floods of tears as they watched as their daughter's remains were removed from the home. A post-mortem was conducted but a home office pathologist could not identify a cause of death. The passage of time had stripped away any evidence to indicate how Leah had lost her life, but it was suggested she had been murdered. After more than three long years of uncertainty, it looked like there could finally be a resolution to the case, and justice might finally be served. A sigh of relief did not last long, however, when it was announced that the prime suspect in Leah Crouch's murder was dead. Detective Chief Superintendent Ian Hunter from the Thames Valley Police Force announced he believed that Leah Croucher had been killed by a person who had taken their own life two months after Leah disappeared. We have nominated a suspect in this case. His name is Neil Maxwell. However, Maxwell was found dead on the 20th of April 2019, having taken his own life. It is unusual to name a suspect, but we have also learned this week that during the time when Leah went missing, and whilst the owner of the property was not in the UK, Maxwell was the only person to have keys to that property. Neil Maxwell was a sex offender on the run. In 2001, he was handed a 12-month prison sentence for the 1998 rape of a girl under the age of 15. The following year, he was jailed for a further four years after being convicted of three similar offences. In 2009, Maxwell pleaded guilty to raping a teenage girl and was sentenced to four and a half years. At the time, a former manager had warned the police. He is one evil fucker. He is going to kill someone. There were further convictions for sexual molestation of a child, and in 2016, Maxwell was accused of assaulting a 12-year-old, but the case was dropped before it went to court. In 2018, he pleaded guilty to sexually assaulting a woman in Milton Keynes. He received 200 hours of community service after time served on remand. At the time of Leah Crouch's disappearance, 
Maxwell was wanted by the police for another serious sexual assault. He had attacked a woman in broad daylight on November 29th, 2018. However, when the police went to arrest him at his home, he was not there. It sparked a nationwide search, during which time it was believed Maxwell had used an alias, changed cars, and used burner phones to evade capture. Since then, the police had made 18 attempts to arrest the fugitive, but he was constantly on the move, and at one stage even travelled to Scotland. Maxwell knew he was wanted in connection with a sexual assault investigation that occurred in Newport Pagnell in November 2018. He is likely to have known that he would be returning to prison if he was arrested and convicted. The investigation has now also established that Maxwell is likely to have changed his appearance to avoid being recognised. He had grown a beard and may have lost weight. We have therefore generated a computer image of how Maxwell may have looked around the time Leah went missing in the hope that it may jog someone's memory. While on the run, Hill Maxwell managed to find work as a maintenance man for a property management business and had access to a property on Logspare Drive. The home was owned by a family who lived abroad in Dubai and only used it a few weeks each year when they visited the UK. At the time of Leah's disappearance, Maxwell was the only person in the country with a set of keys. Because of the pandemic, the owners of the home had not visited the property in more than three years. They were oblivious that human remains had been concealed in the loft. In April 2019, the police issued an appeal to try and track Maxwell down, but he was found dead later that month, having taken his own life. He had hung himself on April 20th in a communal bin cupboard in Campbell Park located in the centre of Milton Keynes. Maxwell had left a note taped to the door which read, Please do not come in. There is a dead body. Call the police. Throughout the investigation into Leah Crouch's disappearance, there had never been any direct link between her and Maxwell. He had never been considered a suspect or even a person of interest. In announcing the update, Detective Chief Superintendent Hunter said, If Maxwell were alive today, we would be seeking his arrest in connection with this investigation, so he could be interviewed under caution to provide his account. So where are we now? Leah Crouch's family were crushed. They released a statement describing how their hopes of finding her alive were extinguished in the cruelest and harshest of ways. They said that they had held on to a faint glimmer of hope that she was still alive, but were now experiencing the deepest, darkest grief. Leah's sister Jade also spoke out and said that Maxwell was just as responsible for Hayden Crouch's death. Speaking as if she was addressing her sister, Jade stated, Let it be known to the whole wide world that the person responsible for your murder has Hayden's blood on their hands too. For now, all I can take comfort in is the thought that you two are together in heaven where one day I will be reunited with you both. A coroner's inquest was held into Leah Crouch's death in 2023. Tom Osborne, a senior coroner for Milton Keynes, opened and closed proceedings, confirming that Leah had been identified by dental records. The Thames Valley Police refused to release their findings, but confirmed that a murder investigation was ongoing. 
After the proceedings, Leah's body was released, meaning she could finally be buried. It was decided that the funeral procession would be public to give people the opportunity to pay their respects to someone they had all come to know over the past four years. On March 3rd, hundreds of mourners lined the streets of Milton Keynes. The cortege departed from Whitehorse Drive in Emerson Valley and travelled to Crown Hill Crematorium for the private service. Floral tributes featuring Leah's name were laid next to her coffin in the hearse, accompanied by a small basket with stuffed toys. The horses were draped in flags bearing the crest of the Hogwarts House of Gryffindor from Harry Potter, one of Leah's favourite series of movies and books. The family had also set up a fundraiser with the proceeds going to the charity Missing People. It has raised almost £5,000. The death of Leah Croucher still remains under investigation. However, the Thames Valley Police Force have confirmed that Neil Maxwell is the prime suspect. Thank you for listening. And special thanks to our Patreon supporters. For more information on this episode, please see the show notes or visit our website, theywalkamonguspodcast.com. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Ruby Frankie was known by millions as a very tough mom. That's exactly the way she wanted it. The social media star amassed a huge following of supporters and detractors alike, preaching the values of strict discipline. But you'll learn in a new podcast available exclusively on Wondery Plus how the small empire built by this momfluencer crumbled the moment her 12-year-old son escaped their home and called 911. Wondery and Law and & Crime bring you the new podcast, the Rise and Fall of Ruby Frankie, which explores the allegations of starvation, torture, and emotional abuse leveled against Frankie and her business partner, Jody Hildebrandt. Learn about the family's path to stardom, the depravity investigators uncovered inside the home, and hear in-depth analysis of the ongoing criminal trial. Listen to The Rise and Fall of Ruby Frankie exclusively and ad-free on Wondery+. Plus. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts.